Let us pray together. My heart, O oh God, is steadfast. I will sing and make music with all my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise the Lord among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Father, we thank you again for another week. We thank you for this day that we have to worship you and to come together as, as a church to worship you together. I pray right now, God, as you transition to your message, I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, God, will be pleasing in your sight, O oh, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We give all glory to you, glory to your name. We remember who you are, O oh God, the God who is the same yesterday and today and forever. For God, you are not like the shifting shadows who will change. So God, we look to you, the God who is omnipresent, the God who is omniscient, the God who is omnipotent, and his name is Jesus Christ. We give you all glory. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things in your precious son, Jesus Christ, and I pray, and God's people pray. Amen and amen. I hope everyone had a great 4th of July weekend, and I'm happy to be here to deliver uh, God's word once again. And as a church, I pray that our hearts will be open to hear the message that God has for us today. Now, the title of today's message is Job's Series Part 3, and it's called God Revealed Who Is I Am. God Revealed Who Is I Am. And we're going to look at the same passage that we looked at last week. It's going to be found in Job chapter 1, verse 6 to 12. And it says this. Once again, as a reminder, let's read it once again. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Last week we talked about Satan debunked, and we talked about who is Satan. Today we're going to talk about God, Yahweh, God revealed who is I am, the Lord, the King, the truth. Yahweh is a too sacred of a name for us to utter with our lips. Elohim, Adonai, we must understand who and how powerful and how everywhere, how all-knowing our God is. Again, last week, we talked about Satan. We talked about who Satan was, who he is. This week, let us dive deep and have an understanding with our limited mind, with our finite minds of who our God is. He is the Lord. He is the King. He is the truth. Yahweh, too sacred of a name for us to utter with our lips. Right? Elohim, Adonai. Now in the book of Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis states that the best teachers are not the ones who come up with new things, but rather who constantly reminds the students. It says in quote, in verbatim, in the book, it says, really great moral teachers never do introduce new moralities. It is quacks and cranks who do that. People need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. 
The real job of every moral teacher is to keep on bringing us back time after time to the old simple principles which we are all so anxious not to see. Like bringing a horse back and back to the fence it has refused to jump or bringing a child back and back to the bit in its lesson that it wants to shirk. Mere Christianity. Today, I'm here to remind us of who our God is. I'm not here to give you a new teaching, but a reminder of what was and has always been true. That our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That the God of Job is the God that we serve today. That the God that was there for Abraham, Isaac, Jacob is here today with us. That he is the God. I am who I am. So let us begin. I have four points for us. Starting with point number one. My God is omnipotent. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, my God is omnipotent. Meaning when I say omnipotent, I'm saying omni means all. I'm talking about he is all powerful. Our God is all powerful. My God is omnipotent. As I was reading this week on Job chapter 9, I came upon this passage when Job is talking about God. And in that passage, he's just talking to his friends, three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. We see that as he's talking to them, as they're talking about that Job is because you have sinned and that you're continually sinning. That is why God is punishing you. Go ahead and repent. And Job, he goes ahead. In the midst of that, he goes ahead and he describes how powerful his God is. And in that passage, it says in chapter 9, starting from verse 6, it says he shakes the earth from its place and makes its pillars tremble. He speaks to the sun and it does not shine. He seals off the light of the stars. Verse 8, he alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. He is the maker of the bear and Orion and Pleiades and the constellations of the south. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. When he passes me, I cannot see him. And when he goes by, I cannot perceive him. If he snatches away, who can stop him? Who can say to him, what are you doing? He is not a mere mortal like me that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court. If only there were someone to mediate. Can you repeat the word after me? Mediate between us. Someone to bring us together. Someone to remove God's rod from me so that his terror will frighten me no more. Then I will speak up without fear of him. But as it now stands with me, I can not. In verse 33, it talks about someone to mediate between us. Someone to bring us together to God because our God is so holy. Our God is perfect. He is so powerful. He is omnipotent. How dare I? How can I ever go near to God? And we understand. Fast forward. That through his son, Jesus Christ, that he becomes the mediator between us. Who lives a sinless life. Who dies on the cross. So that we can have life and life to the full. Amen. We understand in Job 9. How powerful our God is. That we cannot argue with God. That our God, when he speaks to the sun, it does not shine. He seals off the light of the stars. That he alone stretches out to the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. And we see that Jesus on the flesh, that he walks on water. As water represents chaos. Jesus, he walks on water. He is beyond all the trouble and the tribulations of this world the hardships of this world. This world has no hold on him. Fully God, fully man. We understand our God is omnipotent. That's what it says in Exodus chapter 3, specifically verse 14. It says, God said to Moses, God says, I am who I am. I'm going to say it again. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So when someone asks you, what is your name? We don't respond in third person unless you're like The Rock, right? A wrestler, a professional wrestler in the entertainment business. They say only egotistical maniacs will address themselves in third person, meaning they perceive themselves as larger than life. 
they have an inflated ego, they're usually removed from reality because it creates distance from you and the person that you are talking to. The person that you're talking to in third person, it creates a distance. So when God says, I am who I am, he is saying, I am the true God, and there's no one that can compare to me. He is saying that he is so holy, and because he is so holy and he is so set apart, we cannot be in the proximity, in the same proximity with God due to his holiness, or else we will be consumed by his holiness. We'll be destroyed instantly. That's why when God calls Moses, he tells him to take off his sandals, to show reverence to his holy ground, to who he is, to a sphere of his holiness. So when God says, I am who I am, God is saying, I am God, that God is God, and no one can compete with God. That's what it says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. It says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty, meaning He is eternal. He is forever. He is the same yesterday, today, forever, tomorrow. He has always been the same and He will always be the same. And He will never change. Yahweh. He doesn't have a name. His title is His name. For example, someone's title can be Father, but his individual's name can be Jim or Bob. However, not with God. God is God. I am. I am who I am. I am the Lord. I am the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Alpha and Omega, Savior. And through Jesus Christ, through him, we have a mediator. Through him, and he is Jesus Christ. He is our personal father. He calls us friends. And I will talk more about the connection, the name of Jesus Christ in point number four. But again, point number one is, my God is omnipotent. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, my God is omnipotent. Amen. Number two, my God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. Now, with point number two and point number three, and leading up to point number four, I'm going to incorporate Psalm chapter 139. And as I do that, I want us to just remember, again, the points that my God is omnipotent, that my God is omniscient, that He is all-knowing. And then point three, I want to talk about how my God is omnipresent, that he is everywhere. So let's go with point number two. My God is omniscient. Again, sticking with Psalm 139, we're going to start with verse 1 through 6. Let's go ahead and read. It says, O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And within this, I'm going to have three sub-points here, starting with letter A. Let's begin with, He knows you. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, He knows you. Now, within this passage, the word search here, which is found in verse 1, although you have searched me, the word search is to look carefully, and the word know, and you know me. In verse 1, knowing is an intimate word between us and God, between two individuals. Meaning, Adam, it says in King James Version, that Adam knew Eve, and then she conceived. She gave birth. It's an intimate word. The word knew, it's an intimate meaning, meaning yada in Hebrew. It means, I know you, therefore it's an intimate word. I know you. 
I know you more than anyone else. And God, when he says he has searched us, he has searched us carefully, and he knows us in an intimate way. That word, no, yada, is such a dangerous word. Again, oh Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. God, he examines our hearts. He knows us. And because he knows us, he examines our hearts. It's for our own sake that God examines our hearts. It's for our own sake. Why? Because our hearts are deceitful. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 tells us that the heart is deceitful above, above of all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The heart is the fountain of life, heart representing life. This is where everything comes from. Therefore, when God searches our hearts, we benefit from it. That's what David, he says in, in Psalm 51, Search me, O God, and know my heart, and test me and know my anxious thoughts. David says, test me, search me, O God, and know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. Meaning when God examines our hearts, we realize how sinful and how prone to evil we are. That our hearts are prone to evil. How naturally we rebel against God. That's why we must ask God to search our hearts because He knows us. Again, letter A, He knows you. Going to sub point, letter B, He knows your thoughts. Last week, we talked about how the devil, he doesn't know your thoughts. That he is not omniscient. That he is not all-knowing. But God, our God, my God, he is omniscient. He knows our thoughts. He knows your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows what you think before you go to bed. Is there in your bed during the day when you're at school? Whatever you're doing, he knows everything. There's nothing that we can think that can escape from God's truth. God knows the truth of us, everything inside out. He knows us. He adas us. He knows us intimately. God knows all of your thoughts, all of your thoughts. Again, you know all my ways and all my thoughts. Verse 4, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, oh, Lord. God is omniscient. The devil is not. The devil does not know your future. Only God knows your future. Only God knows everything about you. Not even psychics, they know your thoughts. They cannot. There is no way. The power that they receive is not from above. It's from a different spirit. It's from the spirit of Satan. There's no way. As Satan does not know your thoughts, he is not omniscient. He is not all-knowing. Only God is omniscient. He knows all of your thoughts. The devil cannot read inside your mind. I can't emphasize this enough. The devil does not know your future. The devil cannot read what's going on inside your minds. Again, he only knows of your past. He knows of your patterns. He knows of your likes and dislikes. He studies you. He knows what you like. He knows what your hobbies are. He knows what will irk you. He knows us, but in a different way. He studies us, not to help us, but to destroy us. God knows everything, even before you speak, before a word is on my tongue. You know it. You die completely, oh Lord. God knows everything you're going to say before you even speak. Your first word, even as a baby, the first word that you're about to speak. It's like best friends. You spend so much time with each other, right, that you start to kind of look like each other. They're able to complete your sentences because you spend so much with each other. You start to look like each other. You start to dress like each other. You start to talk like each other. Question. If God knows you at your inmost being, then why can't we as Christians, as men and women of God, trust God with our lives. Why can't we? Again, he knows your thoughts. Turn to your neighbor and say, he knows your thoughts. So point letter C is this. He knows which trials to give. 
we say things like, God is tempting me. God is too mean, too harsh. But let me be clear. God doesn't tempt you. God gives you tests and trials. But just because God gives us trials doesn't mean that God is evil. It's like teachers or boot camp or your coaches. They give you trials and testings, practices, ballet practices, wrestling practices, football practices, whatever sports you play, they challenge you. They give you exams and tests so that you can become stronger, so that you can grow stronger from these things, from these testings, from these sufferings. God knows which trials to give you because he is perfect. Meaning when we go through trials, when we go through financial problems, especially during this pandemic with everything, business being shot, people losing their jobs, when we go through financial problems, when we go through family problems, when there's conflict within the families, when there's division within the families, when there's fighting within the families, when there's betraying within the families, when we go through hardships, whatever family problems we are going through, all kinds of broken problems, all kinds of situations, the question is, how will we look to God during the trials that is given to us? The Bible is very clear. The Bible tells us to ask for wisdom. Turn to your neighbor and say, ask for wisdom. Ask for true wisdom comes from God. And how do we get wisdom? The answer is simple. You ask God. James chapter 1 verse 5 tells us this. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should what? Ask God who gives generously to all, to all, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. He gives it generously. Therefore, ask God for the wisdom that you need in order for you to overcome the trial, overcome the testing and the suffering in your life that you're going through right now at this time. Instead of shrinking back and hiding behind our closed doors, saying that I can't do it. I don't have the strength, God. But as men and women of God, there's no trial that we cannot overcome. We can overcome all trials for God is with us. And he's the one that strengthens us. And he gives the wisdom and the spirit of power and strength and humility and meekness and the character and the consistency and the discipline for us to continue on and to keep on living this life, this one life, this one chance that we have, this thing called life. Again, the context of asking God for wisdom in James chapter 1, verse 5 is about trials. It's when we're going through trials we ask God for wisdom. Wisdom, a lot of times when there's problems, we focus so much on the problem and that's all we see. As Peter, as he saw Jesus walking on water, he asked Jesus and he goes and he walks and the moment he looked down, when he looked and he focused his eyes on the problem, on where he was, that's when he started to sink and drown. But when we go through trials, we must keep our eyes focused on the Lord. We must ask God for wisdom. We must understand that he gives it to all without finding fault. Wisdom, like I said, problems will make us focus on the problem. But wisdom helps us to zoom out. It's like a camera. A lot of times we zoom in, we can't tell what it is. But we zoom out and we're able to see the big picture. That we are able to see that God is in control. That there's no problem that is too great that I cannot handle. That God is for me and he's not against me. And that just because that he gives the sun to the good and the bad and he gives blessing to the evil and to me, maybe I'm living a good life, maybe I'm living an obedient life and somehow I am having a harder time than the individual who is living a rebellious life. In the end, it does not matter for we will all have the same end. At the end of the day, we'll get to the finish line together. Wisdom helps us to zoom out and to see the bigger picture. Some of you right now, you need to ask God for wisdom because you're too focused on your problems and you are blinded and you are lost. We cannot overcome this life with our own strength. Let me be clear. That our God 
is the only one who can take us to a place of victory. Wisdom helps us to see the big picture. Always remember that God is for you and he is not against you. God works for the good of those who love him, even in the worst of situations. But I will tell you who is against you. The devil, seeing himself, he is against you, just like we see here in the story of Job. That Satan, our adversary, our enemy, he is against you, and he wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy everything that we have. And he will give us doubts. The devil will be against us, and he will do everything in his power to make us doubt, just like Job. Your dreams may be crushed, but you must not forget who your God is. James 4, 7 tells us, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He will flee from you. Submit yourselves to who? To God. That is the only way. We cannot overcome the devil with our own strength. We only submit to the one who is greater. For he is the one that will carry us through, through all trials and through all hardships. So again, during trials, during testings, ask God for wisdom. Because God will give it to you generously without finding fault. He gives it to us generously, it says. Just like the story of Joseph. He's able to step back. Wisdom helped him to step back. He's in a foreign country. He's sold into slavery by his brothers, by his blood brothers. And God, we see he was right there with him. Even though as readers, we understand the end. We know how the story of Joseph will end. But Joseph, he doesn't know how his story will end. For he is the one that is living the life that he is living. We know as readers, in the future, we know what happens. But for him, as he's going through this time of trials and testings, as he's in this dark place, Joseph, he's able to undergo perseverance and then character. And then he trusts God. He continues to hold on God. He asks God for wisdom, and God gives him wisdom through dreams, to interpret dreams. And I'm here to tell you, just like Joseph, that God is right there with you as well. If Joseph got out of prison, when he asked God to take him out of prison, then it would have been too premature. Then the purpose of God would not have prevailed. Imagine if God answered Joseph's prayer right there and then, when he was wrongly accused. And God took him out. How would everyone would have been saved? Again, God is sovereign. God is perfect. And he is in control. But again, God had a purpose for Joseph's life. There was a purpose to Joseph's trial. And many times, we pray and we say, God, get me out of this trouble right now in this instant. And God doesn't answer right away. And we see and we learn from the story of Joseph that years later, years later, after many hardships and trials and testings, Joseph was finally able to see the bigger picture. And he says in Genesis 50 verse 20, one of my favorite passages, he says, you intended to harm me. He's talking to his brothers. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives. Meaning what you intended for evil, God used it for good. Therefore, with wisdom, our prayer should be, Lord, what bigger picture, what plan do you have for my life right now as I'm going through this trial at this time that I cannot see right now? Even God, even if I can't understand, God, I will be faithful. For God, you are in control and you are with me. Again, my God is omniscient. My God is omniscient. Our God is omniscient. Remember that. He is all-knowing. He knows everything. God knows what's good for you. He knows what's bad for you. He knows what to give you. He knows which trials to give you. He knows which things to take away from you. He knows what to prune in your life. He knows everything. Life is never perfect due to the brokenness that we live in this world and due to our sinful nature. 
But God is faithful. He is faithful. And He is all-knowing. Again. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Amen. Point number three. My God is omnipresent. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, My God is omnipresent. Meaning he is everywhere. Let's take a look at verse 7 to 10 in Psalm 139. It says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, you are there. If I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. It's saying 100 to 500 billion galaxies. Estimate we don't know who really knows. Personally, I've taken road trips on my own with friends. And I've seen the vastness of God's, God's land and his creation. I remember in Chile, one evening I went out. I saw the sky and there was a star so bright, stars, not just a star, stars so bright that literally I felt like I could go ahead and reach and touch the stars. Never seen stars so bright like that before. Been in missions to Panama, Bolivia, Dominican Republic, parts in Africa, China, near North Korea. We're seen, where, whether even in the land, even when the land was oppressed, beauty was there. And Romans 1 teaches us that since the creation of the world, that his eternal power and divine nature are clearly seen from what was made, from his creation. And we are without excuse. As created beings, we are without excuse. How can we not acknowledge that there is a God? That there is God. And there's one God. Yahweh. Elohim. Adonai. Jesus Christ. We are without excuse. We have seen the beauty of God's creation. Even with our limited eyes, even still, we cannot fully grasp. He is everywhere in His created lands. You can be alone, deep in your sleep. God is there. You can be with family and friends, with many people. God is there. It doesn't matter whether you're with people, whether you're by yourself. God is there. No matter where you are geographically, no matter where you are spiritually, God is right there to accept you, to bring you back home. You can never outrun God like Jonah. He goes, he's supposed to go to Ninevites, to the east. He goes to the west, to Tarshish. He goes on a boat, he tries to run away. God brings a storm, gets swallowed by the, in the belly of the fish. We can never outrun God. Everywhere I go, even in my rebellion, Lord, you are right there pursuing after me. He will pursue you. My God is omnipresent. Our last point, point number four. Who is I am. Who is I am? In point number one, earlier I talked about that I am the Lord. I am the King of kings. I am the Lord of lords. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, Savior, and through Jesus Christ. I talked about through Jesus Christ that he is our personal father and that he calls us friends. And as mentioned earlier, I will make the connection from there to point number four. And here we are in point number four. Again, who is I am? I'll tell you who that is. His name is Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus Christ. In John chapter 18, Jesus said this, and this is in the context when Jesus is arrested in the, at the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus says this, when Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. 
So again, Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, when God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Jesus is saying, I am he. The Trinity. One in being. And three in person. In John chapter 1, it tells us that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word, capital W, was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has now overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word, again, capital W, the Word became flesh, which is Jesus Christ, and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given in verse 15 when john says he cried out this is the one i spoke about when he said he comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me again john physically in an earthly age he was he was born first he was older he was an older brother of jesus or he was a young of jesus how can he say that he surpasses me because he was before me? Again, because God was there in the beginning. Jesus was there in the beginning. Holy Spirit was there in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Through Christ, all through Jesus Christ, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was a light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. We understand that he was there from the beginning. John 1 teaches us that his name is Jesus Christ, Yahweh the Lord. Yahweh, again, was too holy of a word, of a title, to be spoken by human lips. But praise God, for the mediator. His name is Jesus Christ. In the past, we couldn't even be in the same proximity of God's holiness or else we'll be consumed because we have sinned. As long as there's sin, when there's holiness, we are consumed and we are dead for all of eternity. But praise God for the eternity that we have through him. Again, he is the mediator. Like I said in Job chapter 9, I read earlier in verse 33, if only there were someone to mediate between us, Job says. Someone to bring us together. Be again, it was going off of the point, point one. God is omnipotent, that he is all-powerful. How dare we go near to God? And we see here that through Jesus Christ, we have a mediator. His name is Jesus Christ. Meaning this all-knowing, this everywhere present God, this all-powerful God, Jesus Christ, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent God is Jesus Christ. I am the Lord, Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, Savior. And He is this Big God that we know and we understand from the Old Testament. This huge and powerful God. This holy God. 
and we understand that through Jesus Christ, our mediator, he becomes our personal God, that he hears us when we cry to him, that he is and he calls us his friends. He is our personal father to those who are fatherless. There's no one like him. Exodus chapter 6, verse 2 to 3. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord, meaning Yahweh. I am Yahweh. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, Adonai. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. Adonai. Yahweh. The Lord. Psalm 23. The Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd. I lack nothing. We see in John 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Again, I know my sheep and my sheep knows me. He is our shepherd. Just as a father knows me, I know the father. Just like what we went over in the beginning with verse 1, 1 through 6 in Psalm 139. Although you have searched me and you know me, you know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You know everything. Even before it comes out of my mouth, God, you know all things. As our shepherd, God knows which trials to give you, to mold you into the individual, into the man and woman of God that God wants you to be. Therefore, we cannot focus on circumstances and situations. I'll say it again. Do not focus on circumstances and situations, for they are fleeting, and it is temporary. But our God, our relationship with God is everlasting, is eternal, is unconditional. That is found in Jesus Christ. Look up. Look to him. Do not grow too proud, too tall, where you start looking down on people. You start judging people. You're saying, they're not doing this. They're not doing that. I'm here. I'm holier than thou. Just like Saul, he was head taller than everyone else. He always looked down. And therefore, his end was a downfall due to his pride. But David, you see, he was shorter in stature. He always looked to God. He always looked up to God, knowing that everything that he had was given by God and it was from God. Look to God in your trials. Look to Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate sacrifice once and for all, the ultimate mediator once and for all, our King, our Lord, our Savior. Again, in Exodus 3, verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are saying to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And Jesus Christ, he says in John 18, verse 16, I am he. They drew back and fell to the ground. Please turn to your neighbor. And can we say these three points? Number one, my God is omnipotent. Number two, my God is omniscient. Number three, my God is omnipresent. And again, who is I am? His name is Jesus Christ. If you could close your eyes with me at this time. With our eyes closed. Every time we are feeling depressed, every time we go through trials and testings, and when life becomes difficult and when life is hard and when the waters are over us and when we feel like drowning 
I want us to understand how big our God is, how powerful our God is, that our God is omnipotent, that our God is omniscient, that our God is omnipresent. Remember that. Don't forget that. As God allows Satan in Job chapter 1, verse 6 to 12, as he allows Satan to do his bidding, to do his evil bidding, Remember, God is the same God. It was in the book of Job. It's the same God today. That He's the God. That is God is omnipotent. That God is omniscient. That God is omnipresent. So when it says here, when it says here in verse 6, one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. We understand from this passage, from, from our reading, that Satan is limited. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? He has blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is within your power, is in your limited power. But on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Remember that God is in control. God knows what he is doing. Let us look to Jesus Christ. And with our eyes closed as we are continuing, I just want to close with this passage in Psalm 139, verse 13 to 18. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place and when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they will outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. With our eyes closed at this time, let us remember the truth of God. That my God is for me. And that my God is with me. That when I repent, when I come to him with humility, and I ask for his forgiveness, that he will be quick to forgive, that he will forgive us of our sins. So right now, let us understand that there is an enemy out there, that Satan is real, that he desires to kill us, he, he desires to destroy us. But remember our God, who our God is. Remember the story of Job, that it is God who is sovereign. It is God who is in control, that he is the one that is in control. It may seem like you're losing right now at this time. It may seem like you're going through, you're going through such a hard time that, that, that you feel like you want to give up, that you feel like you don't have the strength anymore to continue on. Remember who your God is. Remember who your God is. Remember who your God is, that your God is omnipotent that your God is omniscient, that your God is omnipresent. Do not forget who he is, for he is for you and he is not against you. So with our eyes closed, can we come together right now and can we just pray and let's just ask God to come and speak to us and to strengthen us so that we will not crawl and barely survive, that we will walk victoriously that is found in Jesus Christ. Let us pray together. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we just come before you, God, at this time. Holy Spirit, we ask that you strengthen your people at this time. God, what a month. What the, these few months has been, Lord, with the pandemic and with everything that's been happening around us personally, with our family situations, with our businesses. God, with the things that we have in our hearts, God, the struggles that we have. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, that God, that you are faithful through it all. That God, through all trials, that through all temptations, through all attacks, God, you are faithful. Father, God, you are right there with us, and you will never let us go. 
Father, help us to hold on to you. Let us not forget that, God, it is not us that is holding on to you. But, God, it was you. It is you. And it will always be you that is holding us in your everlasting arms. You are the one that holds us to continue on, to be able to be steadfast in your word, in the truth. So, God, speak to us tomorrow. Holy Spirit, come teach us your ways. Let me walk in your truth. Lord, we need you right now. Holy Spirit, come. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. For you know the plans for us. The plan to prosper us, not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future. Father, we commit, we commit to you, God, right now at this time. We trust in you. We believe that you will do this. That you will make our righteousness shine like the dawn. The justice of your cause like the noonday sun. We will be still before you, Lord. We will wait patiently for you, O Lord. God, we will not fret when evil men succeed in their ways or when they carry their wicked schemes. We will continue to hope in the Lord. For God, for those who are poor in spirit, for they are blessed. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Oh, Father, come. Speak to us today. Strengthen us today. God, every prayer that was spoken at this time, we give all glory to you. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. We love you. We thank you. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, in my prayer. And all God's people pray. Amen and amen.